The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. That, of course, is that ESPN draft, you know, ringtone or whatever you call it. I mean, every time you hear it, you know that it's time for a draft pick. Tom, it's <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the Dwight Jim Open when Jim is conducting that, that, that science experiment where um, he turns his computer on and that sound of your computer turning on and then he trains Dwight to ask for a mint. And then eventually he's just holding his hand out like a dog. And he's yes, like, well, yes. well, I'm sorry, what do you want? Um, and then he's like, I don't know. I'm, 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 uh, my, my mouth is dry. Um, but that's what, it's, that's what it does for me. It's like, all right, who's next? Uh, who, who's picking? Yeah. Uh, are you eating something? What are you doing right now? Good God. Are you ready for this I'm, podcast? I'm finishing up. Yeah, yeah, I'm just getting some sustenance. I'm finishing up. Uh, a little bag of Utz original potato chips. Utz potato chips. Yes. Oh, I love yes. Utz potato chips. They're excellent. You they're, know, look, look. They're, they're, Utz, Utz is probably among the best among the mass market chips. There's a whole avenue. There's a whole group of Pennsylvania potato chips. Charles chips that make these. No, 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 no. Uh, Gibbles, Middlesworth. You've told See, me about this, this is the before. stuff of legends. Yeah, you've told me about this really? before. I, I, I told you about the Gibbles before because when I mentioned it on the podcast, yeah. a week later, we had uh, a workman that were coming in to do some work here, and they showed up with two bags of Gibbles for me. Well, you know, because they listened to the podcast. Well, you know, Utz, Utz is a Pennsylvania potato chip. You know, I, know, yeah. I know that. Okay. You, I know that. You know what my favorite Utz chip is and this is probably very controversial because whenever i buy a bag of these kinds of chips everybody in my family says why did you buy those chips my favorite uts chips are the no salt uts chips in that blue bag it's like kind of a bluish bag you know they put it in a blue bag for a reason (laughs) It's it's don't buy this bag. No, that's why it's blue. you can really taste the chip when the salt isn't. You know, oh, it's not drenched God. in salt. You know, you know, this is like my wife when we get like fried chicken. Yeah, 
she takes the skin off and doesn't eat the skin. <laughs> and I, I mean, I said, you know, what is that? What does that mean? That's like having a hamburger without the meat for crying out loud. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, you might. But, I mean, eating the chips without the salt—that kind of defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? I. I don't think so, because I think what happens is you can appreciate the taste of the chip. Now, I, th- I think one of the issues is that you end up eating more chips because the salt eventually wears you down with chips or pretzels or anything else. But if it doesn't have salt, then you're not getting super thirsty or super full. Uh, I like, I, I'm not a salt person. I don't, salt is already in everything we eat. By the way, Liz taking fried chicken skin off, what's the, she might as well just get grilled chicken. I mean, I, yeah, I know. Although, uh, yeah. Um, I, I agree. Because fried chicken, like it, when the, the best fried chicken in terms of like fast food fried chicken is Popeye's. Do you agree with me on that? No. Oh, no, oh I know. I know what not. it is. I know what your answer is. It's Roy Rogers is your answer. Yes, it is. Yeah, knew that. Yes, it is. With, with Royal Farms, a close second. Royal Farms, a close second. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, because, yes, the Pappy Parker old days, Pappy Parker fried chicken, which was Hot Chop Jr. before it became Roy Rogers. It was a Marriott chain. Um, uh, was uh, was good fried chicken. Excellent fried chicken, you're right. But I don't know. The Popeye's uh, spicy fried chicken is excellent. Uh, that's that's the point of fried chicken is the actual fried I agree. skin. But, I agree. Um, I'm not yes. a big salt person. Like the, There's one thing I put salt on. And only one thing. Well, I salt meat before I grill it. Like I, you know, salt and pepper meat before I grill it. I do that. But I salt egg salad. That's the only thing consistently that I'll put salt on. I can't stand salt on anything well, else. Well, I have, I have a a salt. I don't have a sweet tooth. I have a salt tooth. I like salt. I don't put it on a lot of stuff. Eggs, I do put it on. Uh, but uh, other than that, I mean, but I like salt. I like things salted. I put pepper on everything. Yeah. I put pepper on everything. Um, yeah, the... Uh, the this sweet and salt usually kind of perfectly go together, you know. Eat some salty stuff you know, and then eat some sweet stuff. Of, I think I've talked about this before. One of my issues to, in today's world, when you go out and you want to put salt on something, they have these. They don't have salt shakers anymore. They have grinders. Right. You know. Yeah, because and, it's and the grinders. They, they, they never work half the time, and you can't even tell <laughs> if the salt is coming out or not. But a salt shaker is very simple. You uh, know why? What was wrong with the salt shaker? I don't know. My um, I don't know. But we got uh, we got some big issues today, buddy. We bet we better stop doing this right now. Why? Because people are saying. Because people are listening and saying, don't you know there's a goddamn draft going <laughs> yeah. on today? Oh uh, well, f them. <laughs> uh, we'll get to it in our own time. Um, <laughs> You know, there were there was a time, and I don't think it happens anymore. It doesn't happen where I live anymore. But when I was a kid, there, you know, first of all, there was milk delivery. You know, I can remember as a very small child mil- the milk box that we would put on our back porch, and the seal test uh, milkman would come by like you know twice a week. Um, but also, chips used to get delivered. And I, we didn't get chips delivered to our house, but my friend Rex Houlihan, who was my friend, uh, is still a friend, but was a good friend of mine through high school, his, 
when we would go over to his house and he his house was one of the houses we spent a lot of time in as you know certainly in high school and even beyond high school they always had these tin cans of charles yeah, chips t- like yes that they it would come in like a big big tin can like big tin container i remember that yeah and they were really yeah. good chips i wonder if they even exist anymore i don't know um now we get everything delivered so you you know i mean it's yeah. no delivery stands out anymore because everything gets delivered but we do have a draft my brother-in-law my brother-in-law last thing my brother-in-law deliver uh delivered milk for about a year and i was 13 and one saturday i went on a route a route with him the whole day really uh yeah and it was kind of cool walking into a dairy at four in the morning, oh yeah, you're not your nostrils open right up. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, really really impressive. And of course, I only went once because I broke a couple of bottles of milk delivering them. You know, <laughs> of course you I, did. I was, <laughs> because I was 13 years old. That's when you 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 spilled half the milk you poured. You remember? That's that's a small accident compared to burning down your fraternity house. I think we'll let that one slide. Yeah. Um, this uh, was a review from Andy in Tampa. Uh, Andy reviewed us on Apple. Kevin and Tom, I'm a longtime fan currently in Tampa, but found your podcast because you always spark childhood memories. I, I think that's what we just did. Uh, I grew up in the D.C. area in the 70s and loved the Redskins. would get so hyped before the Cowboys games. You reminded me of riding my bike with friends, exploring roadside ditches for tossed beer cans for our collection. <laughs> Ballantine beer was always a great find. I guess everyone drank beer and tossed their empties when driving in the 70s. I think driving in the 70s, everybody tossed everything. Like littering was... Yeah. Yeah. Like the littering commercials came around, I think in the eighties. Um, he writes, "No, they they came they came around in the seventies. Okay. I remember in the sixties, littering was was an afterthought. People did it all the time, right? You I, know that this this is an example. There's got to be some kind of paper written somewhere of literally changing a whole society's behavior, right?" You know, I, I because think, littering was very common back then. I remember that. Littering and hitchhiking, very, very common. Um, he writes, they were everywhere, uh, beer cans were. Question for Tom, did he know they were filming during his Wire cameo, or does he always look dazed and confused? Uh, <laughs> no, he knew they were filming. Um, yeah, he, I was supposed to look a little dazed and confused because... Uh, there Came was an argument going on between editors, you know, and there were people were, it, it was a big argument in the newsroom. So I was, I was looking concerned actually. Uh, speaking of Ballantine, my, my father-in-law drove a Ballantine beer truck in, uh, in, in, wow. in, in Manhattan. Um, you know, he was God, God's he, work. That's work. Yeah, he's always talked about that as being one of his first jobs that he remembers. Uh, This from Jangman. Um, He calls this podcast a losing resilient podcast. That's funny. (laughs) That's really funny. Uh, What the heck is a cone top? I don't know. 
five stars anyway. Uh, thank you for the five-star review and for the actual reviews themselves. Please uh, review us and rate us on Apple and Spotify and follow us on Apple and Spotify as well. That's really helpful. I can tell you this, after our conversation about our beer can collections, which is somebody reminded me, he said, I think this is the 10th time you guys have talked about your beer collections, beer can collections over the years, whatever. So I, I had many people send me pictures of Cone Top beer cans that they had collected. Well, I posted, when I posted uh, the podcast on my Twitter and Facebook, I posted a picture of my Cone Top. Oh, you did? My Cardinal beer Cone Top with it, yes, to give people let an me, idea what a Cone Top looked like. Let me go back and look for you. Oh, there it is. So, wow. And you can see. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it, yeah. What, so what do you think that's worth, Tommy? Have you ever looked to see? Then, you know, stuff is only worth what somebody will pay for it. I know, but... I learned that in the collectibles business. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm not... I don't know anything about the collectibles business. Uh, you know much more than yeah. I. But I I know that, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, when I was collecting beer cans with my neighborhood friend, um, that cone tops were valuable then. I don't know. Does anybody even yeah. collect beer cans anymore? I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. That probably like that can that you posted on Twitter. Like, do you have any idea what year that's from? Can you find a date on the can? I'm sure I looked, but I don't remember. It's got to be 70 or 80 years old, if not more. Yeah, because I, I never heard of Cardinal beer until I started collecting stuff out of Scranton. I mean, when I was growing up, there was no Cardinal beer out of Scranton. It was all, everything was out of Wilkes-Barre, Stagmeyer, and and uh, and uh, Gibbons, all that stuff. So it 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 predates my birth, probably. I'm just reading a. So you know it's old. Yeah, I'm I'm reading a brief and content and condensed uh, history of uh, cone top beer. Uh, canned beers produced in the United States were not allowed between 1942 and 1947 due to the war. So I guess they wanted all of that. Um, you know, all of that material for the war. And in the 1950s, cone tops became obsolete with the last cone tops sold in stores in 1960. So it's at wow. least 63 years old, that can. Um, yeah. Anyway. All right, let's talk. I'm, look, I'm looking at one now at an auction, mm-hmm. uh, and it's in much better shape than mine. Okay. Right. Uh, $371. Oh, okay. I, I would have thought maybe it would have been worth a lot more than that. But still, you only have yeah. one, right? Yes. Okay. And it's, um, it's a little rough. <laughs> yeah, it is a little rough. But that, that makes it actually, to me, more kind of attractive. Um, I like them rough. Uh, so here we are <laughs> on draft day 2023. Um I was thinking about the draft just in general, and I know I kind of have a sense of what you think about the draft, Um, and I'm not that far off from you. I don't immerse myself in, you know, doing what a lot of people do, which is sit there and try to create their own big boards and their own mock drafts. I've never done that, even though our good friend Richard, as in Doc Walker, um, when we would do draft shows every year, would joke, can we get Sheehan's big board out? Uh, I never had a big board, and I never did have a big board. But I have found it 
over the years, uh, prior, by the way, to working every draft night, which I did for, I don't know, 15 years. I'm not working tonight other than just doing, you know, phone hits, Tommy, here and there. But I don't have to go anywhere and host a show tonight. Um, But I find it to be a great television show. Like, it's always been a very entertaining uh, thing to watch on ESPN and, you know, over the last decade and a half, I guess, on NFL Network. Um, it is by far and away, I think I'm right about this, it is the most significant sports night of the year that doesn't involve a game tonight, the first I round would, of the NFL I would NFL believe draft. that. I mean, it, they put it on ABC, don't they, too? ABC, ESPN, and then the NFL Network. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's got to be a great, it's got to be great television because they broadcast it over about a half a dozen channels. The only, you know? the, the so, only, yeah, I watch it and I'm, I'm always interested in it. I always enjoy it watching the draft coverage. Yeah. And I mean, there were characters in those early years, Mel Kuyper, obviously being the lead character, but Berman hosted it for all of those years. And there was something magical about the draft when it was first televised by ESPN, which I think the first year they televised it was 1980 or 1979. I can remember being in college. It was a Tuesday morning thing. The the draft happened in one day, and it happened in the middle of the week on Tuesdays, and it was on ESPN. And I can remember being in my apartment at College Park Towers, Hartwick Road, by the way, not Knox Road, uh, and my buddy Ted and I, um, and a couple of other people waking, you know, waking up, not going to class that day, and sitting in front of the TV yeah. with with plenty of beer all day long, watching the NFL draft. But you know, it's a great TV show. It's the most significant night of the year that isn't a game. I, the only thing I can think of that's close is probably the March Madness selection show, which gets a super high rating, but nothing compares to tonight. And yet. The truth of the matter is, two out of every three players that are obsessed about tonight won't even be contributors three years from now. But it's the one out of three that you got to get right. You can't be less than one out of three because the draft is a big part of the foundation for your roster moving forward. I mean, it's... Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you have you have to have a lot of these rookie deals in a salary cap based system. And, you know, those that do it well, you know, end up having a chance to be a sustained winner. And that's not something that Washington's done super well over the years. No. You know, no, people love I think people love potential because potential means everybody on every team is a winner. OK, I mean, you, you haven't lost anything when you're rooting for potential. So the draft night is a night of potential, and I think people like that. You know, there's no, there's, there's no results yet. So everybody's a star, and, and the guy that your team drafted is a star or, or is a dog, uh, depending on uh, your knowledge about college football. But, I mean, it's a night about potential, about what, what possibilities – yeah, the other part of that too, and I agree with that. The other part of it is, um, it's popular because college football is popular. 
you know, these are people that we know as college football fans. And even the yes. non-college football fans have heard of a lot of these players. You know, this is where, you know, I don't want to get into this argument right now, but when we used to have the debate over paying college players or not paying college players, and I'm all for name, image, and likeness. I'm all for that. That's different than, you know, paying college players salaries. That's allowing them to, you know, earn money off of their name, image, and likeness. But, you know, I've made this, you know, argument before when it comes to the value of playing college basketball or college football. And the the, the one number that you cannot quantify um, it to a certain degree is the marketing platform that playing college basketball and playing college football provides these athletes because they come into the league, you know, already known, already with a brand in many cases, already endorsable, you know, which creates this whole other income stream through endorsements, not because of what they've done in the NFL or what they've done in the NBA, but because of what they did in college football on a very big platform. You know, so that that's the part where when I used to hear a lot of, you know, the Jay Billises of the world say you absolutely have to pay them. And, you know, it's not just room board tuition. Um, you know, it's uh, it's all of the other things. And the biggest one being, you know, if if you don't play college football or play college basketball and instead decide to play in the G League or go to Europe or have Uncle Charlie train you for a year until you're eligible or two years Nobody's going to know who you are. And so it'll affect your draft status, which affects your overall compensation. And it will certainly affect your endorsability when you get to the pro level. This is popular because college football is the second most popular sport in this country in terms of viewership. Um, And I hope it it continues that way. I hope it always continues that way. Or this night... Without college football, just drafting a bunch of guys that have been training for the last two years and playing, you know, on in pickup leagues, this would not be a big night. Uh, but it is a big night, um, and uh, Washington will be on the clock at sixteen. They've got eight picks overall in this draft. Number 16 tonight. The draft overall, by the way, if you don't know this, has 31 first-round picks tonight because Miami uh, had their first-rounder taken away because of the tampering with Tom Brady a few years back. By the way, I was thinking about this this morning before the radio show. With all of the chicanery of the last, you know, three years, it is still kind of amazing that this franchise here wasn't docked a pick or two you know, in recent years from the Wilkinson investigation or for any of this stuff. I mean, the Wilkinson investigation resulted in the largest fine of any NFL team in history, which Goodell, you know, made that very clear in June of 2021 when they decided on the punishment. And, you know, there was this fake suspension of Snyder, which really he pushed back on. But, you know, they could have had a pick or two taken away. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, maybe because they didn't, they didn't want to punish the football side of the building. You know, whereas the salary cap penalty, even if you think it was harsh and and wrong, that was a football related business transaction. Yeah, true. That's why they may, maybe they 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 hit with uh, 
with draft picks, whereas this is this is has nothing to do with the people on the side of the building making football decisions. Right. No, that's an excellent point. Deflate gate, spy gate. Yeah. You know the the Miami yeah. situation. The you know the. Um, uh, the New Orleans situation with Greg Williams and the you know bounties, all of that, uh, that those are football things. This was more, you know, the the owner. Speaking of the owner, real quickly before we get back to the draft, so many of you have reached out to say, well, what is the deal? I don't know what the deal is. We talked about this the other day on the podcast. My guess is is that we are nearing the end of this where we get some sort of an announcement of for the lack of a better description, kind of a ratified contract that then just has to go to the league for vote. It is not Harris. Josh Harris is getting the team people. There's a reason that the only group that isn't talking at all is Harris. It's because they're not allowed to talk after they came to an agreement on this. This was after Magic said very little in his NBC appearance. Uh, but we have heard from Apostolopoulos, and of course we heard that you know SNL skit from Brian Davis with the Junkies yeah. a week yeah. and a half ago. Um, so I don't know how much you've thought about it because I certainly didn't ask you to do this, but I'm sure you are prepared today to talk about the draft. Uh, I'm going to mention right now the player that I'd really like them to pick um, and then the player that I think they will pick. So if you don't have an answer to that, you better come up with one here in the next minute or two. Uh, The player that I have fallen in love with, is Emmanuel Forbes, the cornerback from Mississippi State. He led the nation in interceptions. He has a record six interception returns for touchdowns. That is an NCAA record. Um, but he's 166 pounds, even though he's 6'1". He ran 4'3'6 at the Combine. He is one of these guys that just is a ball hawk. He makes plays. Uh, I had Fred Smoot on the um on the podcast yesterday and he was excellent and I would urge those of you that didn't listen to it to go back and listen to it uh you know before the draft starts tonight cuz Fred is a huge college football guy and really knows uh these players in the draft and you know he just said look in my in my time it's like Barber, Dre Bly and 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 uh and D'Angelo Hall were Johnny's on the spot And he said, Emmanuel Forbes is a Johnny on the spot. The ball just finds them. Washington was 27th last year in takeaways. They need a corner. Forbes is climbing the board. Some may say it's too early at 16. If they can trade back a couple of spots and pick them, I would be thrilled. Uh, There is some discussion that Forbes has been um, linked to Washington. uh, So that that, uh, makes me happy. But the guy that I think they're going to take if he's there is Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. It seems like every beat reporter in town thinks Darnell Wright's going to be the selection if he's there uh, at 16. He was an absolute mauler for Tennessee, playing right tackle this year. He can slide in at right tackle this year. They can move Wiley to guard. Uh, There are lots of things they can do. He's got that position flexibility that Ron likes because he's played left tackle before. Um, There are four tackles in this draft uh, that, you know, pretty much are uh, projected to be top half or top 20 picks overall. Um, You know, you start with a guy uh, like um, uh, Peter Skaronsky from 
uh, from Northwestern, Paris Johnson from Ohio State, Broderick Jones from Georgia, and then Darnell Wright from Tennessee. It's possible all four could be gone by the time Washington selects at 16, but I think they're going to pick Darnell Wright if he's there at 16. I hope they pick Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, And if they could trade back and get Forbes, that would be even better. You know, trade back a couple of spots, maybe four spots with Seattle who may, you know, desire, you know, a receiver or maybe a quarterback. And by the way, let me just say, if Anthony Richardson's there at 16 and they don't take him, I will be upset because I think that that would be the right thing to do is to pick Anthony Richardson at 16. But I don't think he's going to fall there. And I think if he does, I don't think they're going to pick him. Um, But, uh, you know, trading back uh, four or five spots could, you know, could get them a third rounder in return. And if they could still get a guy like Emmanuel Forbes, that would be good. Last year, remember, they traded back when the run on receivers started with New Orleans to 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 go to move back to 16, and they still got one of the players that they really liked in Jahan Dotson. And remember, Dotson was picked a little bit early for a lot of people at 16. I loved Dotson before the draft, and um, I didn't have a problem with the, them selecting him at 16. Now, they would have selected Drake London had he been there at 11. They would have not moved back. I think they would have selected Charles Cross as well. Well, the offensive lineman that went to Seattle uh, before their pick. But that would be kind of a best case for me, knowing that they're going to pass on quarterbacks or thinking they will. Um, I don't know. They really were impressed with Hendon Hooker. I have a source that told me that. But Hendon Hooker apparently told or impressed everybody that he met with. Uh, But I can't see that at 16. Um, But anyway, that's what I'd like to see, Forbes. What I think we'll see is Darnell Wright. So do you have answers to those two things, the player you'd like to see and the player you think you'll see them them select? Well, I have a player that I would like to see, and it's based on nothing. Okay. But I'd like them to pick this guy. He's the only guy who didn't visit uh, among all the people that visited the team. He was supposed to do a visit uh, with the commanders, but it fell through for some reason. And that's Ant- Anton Harrison. Yeah. For the offensive tackle for Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I, I Look, I just want them to pick an offensive tackle with that 16th pick. So Anton Harrison is as good as any, and he's a D.C. guy. Went to Archbishop Carroll. Uh, he was pretty good at Oklahoma, uh, according to his stats. I couldn't read them, but I have no idea if they mean anything or not because I never saw him play. Okay? But I want them to pick an offensive tackle. Okay, so this guy, I think, according to Mel Kuyper, he's fourth on his list of offensive tackles in this draft. So I think that's reasonable. That I, mean, I think he'll be there at 16, and uh, that's who I want them to pick. So, Look, and I'm with you. I, I, if Anthony Richardson is there, you pick him. Yeah. Okay? So, you just do that. I don't think he'll be there either. So we did this segment on radio this morning, what would make you glad, what would make you mad, and my make you mad, uh, it would make me mad if they picked Anton Harrison at 16. That was my answer really? um, an hour and a half Get ago on radio. Here. And here's why. You're um, out of here. No, here's why. I, I Look, let me just say this, because anybody that tells you, especially people that haven't played it or coached it, 
or really studied it, that they really have strong opinions about offensive linemen based on watching some highlight reels. I watch as much college football as any of you do. And just like when you watch the NFL, if you were to you know be asked after the game, how did such and such play along the offensive line, that's a tough grade right away without going and watching every play. Um, that's just a hard position for most fans to evaluate. Yeah. You don't know their responsibilities. You don't understand truly technique, et cetera. Now, when there's really like this massive dude who's a mauler, you know, like a Trent Williams type, you can see that. And by the way, with Darnell Wright, you can watch him against Alabama in that incredible Tennessee-Alabama game from this year, the 52-49 to game in Knoxville. And he did a great job on the guy that might be picked number two Overall, but I think it's really hard with offensive linemen more than any other position. The skill position players we're always going to have strong opinions on, um, but it's hard uh, to really do offensive linemen. But the reason that I said Anton Harrison is because Michael Phillips was on with me yesterday, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch, and he projected Anton Harrison as a possibility at 16. I think it would be way. Really? I think it would be. You mean I'm onto something? You're onto something. It, I think it would be. <laughs> I think it would be way too early based on a lot of the mock drafts. Um, I also went after Michael was on with me, and I watched him, and I thought just on the highlight reel there was inconsistency, and he didn't look anything like Darnell Wright to me. Darnell Wright looked like a monster compared to Anton Harrison. And then you mentioned it. It's like all I could think about was if they select him, you know what they're going to say? We drafted a local kid. We drafted a kid that went to Archbishop <laughs> Carroll. Look at us. Yeah, they are. And, and that yeah. is – that's the – like the Dwayne Haskins and Chase Young – the the uh the, the obsessing over the local nature of the pick honestly it's 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 so dumb it's it's hard to even talk about how dumb it is nothing matters less than that nobody gives a shit where these guys played high school football Okay, nobody on any of their championship teams in the 80s was from here in terms of their big contributors. <laughs> Do you think we cared? I don't care where they played high school football. I care that they can play professional football well. So it, it always was comical to me. Of course, it was the owner. You know, the, the, I mean, this is how limited he is in so many ways where he's talking about Bullis and talking about DeMatha and what a big – who cares? By the way, Archbishop Carroll is a legendary high school. It's my father's alma mater. Um, I grew up hearing Moss Collins um, and Bob, you know, and, and Bob Dwyer stories about the Carroll basketball teams of the of the fifties and sixties, among the greatest, if not the greatest, high school basketball teams of all time. By the way, John Thompson played on those teams, um, and the Moss Collins Carroll football teams. I grew up li- hearing all the stories. I love Carroll, and it's actually saddened me, been sad to me that it's kind of been diminished as a high school. Um, in recent years from an athletic standpoint, although they had a stud uh, this year um, uh, in football. But uh, I don't care about the local nature of players. It's just so stupid. And so imagine they do pick this guy. 
I mean, Ron will fall into that trap. You know what a sucker he is for that kind of a story. To, late tonight and tomorrow morning, all we're going to hear about is we really love the fact that he was a local kid, played at Carroll, played in the WCAC. Tell me why you picked him because of what he did at Oklahoma. Um, and I he does well, not. What he did at Oklahoma is at Oklahoma he had a thousand and two pass blocking yeah. plays, pass blocking snaps. He only allowed four sacks right. and 33 pressures. Yep. So there you go, buddy. I know. I, I would laugh so hard if I turn out to be right on this. <laughs> of course you will. And <laughs> and he was playing Big 12 um, you know, defenses, not SEC defenses like Darnell Wright was. Uh, or a guy like Skronsky, who I, if they, he fell to 16, that would be really interesting. And the same with Broderick Jones. Paris uh, Johnson is not falling to 16. Um, in fact, a lot of people think that if Arizona's unable to trade out of three, uh, that um, you will see him selected by the Cardinals at three. That would be uh, insane. Um, all right, I've got other thoughts on the draft. Wait a minute. What, that, yeah. uh, what was the other question? What was the second part of the question? Who do you, think they'll, question. Who do you think they'll draft? I think I think they'll draft Joey Porter Jr. Okay. Do you do you have a reason? I mean, because you don't want to know why? Because the owner recognizes his name. That's why. <laughs> I don't. You know, <laughs> let's hope, and I think it's true that the owner really isn't going don't to be go involved there. in this. Uh, he's not. Don't, don't, I don't, don't even. Go there. I don't even think he was involved don't. in last year's draft or the Jamin Davis draft. You know? Okay. I don't. Okay, I've heard I've heard this from you for many a year, and it <laughs> proved to be wrong. Well, it, well, I knew. I, well, we knew right from the jump on the Haskins thing what happened well, there. Well, Haskins thing, yeah. yeah. And yeah. we knew that he was thrilled with Chase Young, and I think, you know, I know we've talked about this before, but you know, if you want to look at the first mistake that Ron Rivera made. If you believe he made a mistake on Chase Young, and right now the odds favor that, um, yes. the first mistake would have been, I'm okay with giving Dwayne a shot and passing on quarterbacks in the 2020 draft. And yeah. you have to think that one of the reasons for that would have been, uh, I'd really love you to be my coach-centric guy here. I'm going to give you all the responsibility in the world. What do you think of Dwayne Haskins? He's really good. He went to Bullis with my son. He's a local player. He, you like him, right? You really like him, right? Don't you? You're going to give him a chance, right? <laughs> so I think there yeah. may have been some of that's, that that's in a, the hiring of Ron. There may have been, there may have been some of that. Uh, do you think they could trade Chase Young tonight? I we talked about this yesterday. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Me. I don't think it's out of the realm. I don't. Okay. Look, I, we. Uh, That's a pretty aggressive move for a lame duck staff. I want to get your thoughts on Chase Young because you haven't weighed in on them not picking up the fifth year option. I want to talk about the draft in general a little bit more in the next segment. And yes, we are going to talk about at least briefly on this draft Thursday the NBA playoffs. We'll get to all of that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. With the second pick in the 2012 NFL Draft, the Washington Redskins select Robert Griffin III, quarterback Bill. Believe it or not, Tommy, that was 11 years ago. I think we were together that night. If I wasn't with you, I was with Doc. I can't remember if it was with you, Doc, or maybe all three of us were together. That was the John Belushi third round draft, wasn't it? Josh Le- Josh Liberis Liberis uh, Josh Liberis Le- yeah that, was that the Liberis draft? Um, yeah, I that, think that it was, was. The, that was the Liberis so, draft. So yeah, yes, we were was. together. No, but that but, I remember but, by the end of the night making fun of this guy who we, we had never heard. No, of. no, but that was that was the Saturday that they drafted Liberis or the Friday night, the first the first night of RG three. Um. They, I think they they what? were doing just the first round uh, back then. Um, we were so we were together for the Loribus and the Cousins picks. I'm looking at that draft right now. I we were we were at the stadium for Loribus and Cousins on a Saturday for the for the draft day party because you okay. and, because okay. we both when they selected Loribus in the third round we were both looking for any kind of information and there was none. Yes. there was none. Yeah, the guy did not exist Except in his picture. Yeah, I mean, big Except board. This picture, which looked like he just came off fraternity row at a party. Yeah, um, <laughs> there was like you know, five hundred player big boards that he wasn't on. Uh, I do, yeah. re- I do remember when they picked Kirk Cousins. How happy I was, and how you said this is a massive mistake, and we got into a big argument that day on the air. And look, yeah. ultimately. Because it bothered RG3 so much, maybe it wasn't a great thing, but 
you know, given the way RG three turned out, it was all, it was great yeah. to have Kirk for those years. Um, no, the opening night. Well, you know this 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 team is really good at turning studs into duds, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, the excitement. <laughs> I mean, look at RG three, and then look at Chase Young. The, the last two number two picks they've had. And there was tremendous excitement over both. Over both of them. Yeah. Uh, I, because I'm not going to sit here and, and revisionist history the way I felt. I I was fine with the trade because I was already in in that mode of 2012. If you don't have one, you better get yourself one. And there's really – and I haven't changed that much in 11 years. you got to get one, period. That's why, for me, Anthony Richardson, if he's there at 16, and Fred Smoot said the same thing yesterday, if he's there at 16 and they pass, I'll be angry. Now, the the argument that some of you have made that says, don't draft the next coaching staff's quarterback. Um, Okay, Uh, you know... If I guess we got to project who the next coaching staff is to find out if they would like Anthony Richardson or not. No, you have to you have to draft in the moment for what's best for your franchise. But anyway, um, I remember that RG three night. I, I remember being a little bit off put by the Superman socks and the uh, the incredible obsession with you know the the fashion sock thing with him, uh, but. I loved RG3 as a college football player, and I couldn't wait to see what it would be like. Uh, And, you know, for a season, it was pretty damn exciting. Uh, This segment of the show is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code, KevinDC. They'll have all of their draft prop bets up uh, shortly, so you'll have plenty of ways to bet the draft tonight. Uh, they've got their updated Super Bowl odds, by the way, and the Jets are the sixth overall pick to win the Super Bowl behind the Chiefs, 49ers, Bills, Eagles, and Bengals. Um, that That's up from seventh uh, before the trade was actually uh, finalized with Aaron Rodgers the other day. But my bookie's gonna g- going to allow you to cash in and cash out quickly. And what that means is if you deposit, say, 500 bucks, once you've made $500 worth of wagers, you're eligible to cash out and close out of your account. Most places force you to wager the deposit amount around a couple of times before you're eligible to cash out. So go to mybookie.ag or mybookie.com and use my promo code KevinDC. Um, So, I mean, it became official yesterday on the Chase Young fifth-year option uh, not being picked up. What's your reaction to that? Well, uh, again, you know, uh, I think if it was just an injury situation, they still would have picked it up. I think they would have. Again, I, 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 I have my experience overwhelmingly tells me that personnel guys, personnel decisions, the, the, the decision makers do not fail on their on their high high profile picks. They stick with them usually. Okay, and uh, so I think if it was just the injury and him coming back. I think they would have picked it up. I think it's it's all about the commitment, you know. It's all about his dedication. Uh, I think I think that Rivera's pissed at him. 
I think Rivera's been pissed at him for a while because he's making he's making the coach look bad. And this makes the coach look bad by doing this, I think. So uh, uh, I, I think that this has a lot more to do with the injury. And uh, if, you know, I mean, in some ways it doesn't matter because none of these decision makers hopefully will be here next year uh, when, when it comes to this. But uh, I think Rivera has been pissed at, the, at, at this guy for a while. Yep. Uh, it's pretty much um, what I uh, believe, too. I think this is not about injury. Um, it's not about even, you know, overall production. As I said yesterday, I don't know that they trust his commitment. Uh, there's a lot uh, about this guy. Um, and, you know, we go back to the 2021 offseason, and, you know, it's a conversation that we had. And uh, it's never about whether or not, you know, the guy, you know, if he doesn't show up for OTAs, can he still play well? Of course he can. Um, but it's symbolic when you are one of 90 players that doesn't show up and you've got a C on your chest after a defensive rookie of the year season. And it pissed them off then. And then when he came back and talked about, you know, he had to go get his money. Um, this is an old school coaching staff, guys. This is Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. You know, if, yeah. you, if you're going to, if you're going to, uh, you know, pass on team commitment related things, voluntary or not. You better produce, and he did not produce before that injury. He was awful before that injury, a sack and a half. His rookie season, sensational. Now, really, as I've said before on this, the back half of his rookie year was sensational. He turned into the player, you know, after a half of a season that we thought was going to be an absolute game wrecker, and he wrecked games at the end of 2020, and he was the defensive rookie of the year. And then he decided to go get his money. Nobody held that against him. And I guarantee you Ron and Jack wouldn't have held it against him. Go get your money. But you can do both things. You can commit to this football team as one of the leaders and one of the captains and also get your money. Both things are doable. Really, uh, Under Armour has a spot they want you to do? Well, just tell them on one of those days for a few hours – You've got to get back to D.C. to be there for at least one yeah. of the nine OTA days so you're not one of nine, the only one out of 90 players that doesn't post. But, you know, yes. he was not committed to that. And, you know, we yeah. saw all of the stuff early in that season about his playing out of the scheme and, you know, essentially being kind of a lone ranger. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, then he got hurt. You know, I, I this is much more, as I said yesterday, and I've been saying it as Tommy said, this is much more than injury or if they try to give you an ownership reason like he did briefly a couple of weeks ago. This is them saying, we aren't sure that we're going to want you in 2024 because we don't trust that you're a committed pro. At this point. And until we see that, we can't allocate $17.5 million for a player that we don't, we're not sure we'll want on our team in 2024. So from that standpoint, I agree with them not picking up the option. I think it is the mature thing for Ron Rivera not to double down on what he believes right now, deep down, may have been a big mistake. 
The bigger, you know, one mistake is bad enough, but if he were to double down and make a mistake when he knows, he knows that there's a chance he's not going to want him. And when I say he, he probably won't even be here, you know, this time next year. Right. But he's got to make the decisions as if he's going to be. And so I am rooting for Chase Young to turn it around and figure it out and prove to them that he's what they drafted. And he's going to have that opportunity. And I hope the two coaches in particular, Rivera and Jack Del Rio, really, you know, coach him up. And, you know, I've used this expression, Doc's expression, many times this week, but his favorite expression of holding talent hostage, that there's nothing worse than holding talent hostage. And that's what Chase Young, they believe he's doing right now. So they've got to figure it out. He's got to figure it out. But you got a season to do it unless they trade him. And I just, the problem, Tommy, with trading him, and I've talked about this a little bit, is... They haven't done a good job publicly of building up his trade value. You know, by contemplating whether or not they're going to pick up the option, talking about how, you know, maybe he needs to be incentivized this year like Duran was last year, is not the way you build up trade value. It may be, as Sam Fortier told me on this podcast yesterday, maybe what they have finally come to the conclusion on is the only thing that will motivate him, which is it's possible that a year from now you're going to be unemployed and you won't have any money unless you play really well this year. You won't have any future. Now, that's an exaggeration because a guy like Chase Young is going to get two or three more chances right. he'll, he'll if it doesn't work right. here. He'll bounce yeah. around the league for a while. Right. Yeah. But in terms of yeah. like this you massive know. deal, and by the way, it would be embarrassing to him. You know, it's probably yes. already to a certain degree slightly embarrassing. Now, what I'd like to hear from them publicly when we hear him speak on this is I'd like them to blame it on the injury. I'd like them to say, you know, he looked good. He looked really good when he came back against San Francisco, Cleveland, Dallas, etc. We're excited about what it is. Uh, but, you know, we just need to see it over 17 weeks and see that knee hold up. We think it will. We think it will, but we just need to see that. Don't belittle him publicly um i you know you know uh i think when you when we talk about the trades i mean we are we may be weeks away from the the official announcement of, of a deal for a new owner that's a very aggressive move i know they have to operate as if they're going to be conducting business okay yeah they can't operate with the idea of of you know the the new owner hanging over their head but trading a number two draft pick, their star player, uh, before the new owners take over, it's a pretty tr- aggressive, dramatic <laughs> move. I don't think they'll do it. Could, can't you make the case that not picking up the fifth-year option on the number two overall pick, who is the defensive rookie of the year, is already kind of aggressive, even if it's the right, the right thing to do? I think that's as far as you can go. That's as far as you can push the envelope. Okay. I don't think you can go any farther than that. Right. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I don't think it's an impossibility. I, I, but my problem is I okay. don't know what they'd get back for him. I mean, you know, we already yeah. saw Okuda, you know, pulled back a, a a mid-round pick, and he was he went third in that draft. Right. Hey, speaking of the draft, are we done with the draft? Because I had a couple more nuggets. No, I got a lot. I got I got a lot more on the draft. Why don't you start with your nuggets? Okay, first of all, I want to see them pick Stetson Bennett. 
somewhere. Okay. I don't know if it's the third or the fourth round is more appropriate, but I'd like to see them pick him somewhere because uh, I think he's worth a gamble. Uh, and I, I, this is this is thanks to one of our listeners uh, of, of the podcast. He sent me this information on Twitter, so I can't lay claim to know anything about it. Uh, it Frick Daddy eighty nine. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, had sent this to me. Have you heard of Tyson again? Bagnet? Bagnet? No. He's a quarterback at Shepherd University. Oh, I have heard about him. I have heard about okay. him. He yeah, was in, he was invited to the Senior Bowl, I think, and uh, to the NFL Combine. He's six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. Has one hundred fifty nine career touchdowns. That's the most in the history of the NCAA. Okay, in Division Two, he won their version of the Heisman Trophy. Why I want him is his father is Travis Bagent, Bagnet, or however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. He is a 17-time world champion arm wrestler <laughs> from uh, just nearby in West Virginia somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there was this reality arm wrestling show a few years back. Uh, and they showed him competing a lot. This guy has personality through the roof. I want this kid to either be drafted in the sixth round or signed as a free agent just so his father will be around. Because his father is, 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 is a walking, walking package of personality. His father is, is huge. His father looks like he could play football. 17-time world champion arm wrestler, he's pretty strong. But I want them to pick the kid because I love the old man. Is that your... Or at least sign him as a free agent. So let me just add a nugget to your nugget. We have a lot of list- listeners up in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And, you know, um, I spend some time up there because my father uh, and his wife have a house up in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. So I'm very familiar with Shepherd College and Shepherdstown in particular. And I know that we have a lot of uh, listeners up there. Uh, And Coach McCook has done a phenomenal job up there. They have been a Division II power for a while now. So um, I hope that's not your best nugget, but I liked that nugget. What's your next nugget? I, I've given you my best nuggets. Look, I I lead with my best. When I don't know what I I'm thought we were building about, towards something. I go with the I go with the best that I got. Okay. Okay. I was and hoping I hope we were building. I I was hoping we were building towards a big finale. Um. So do, do you have? Oh, a, ye of too much faith. Do you have? <laughs> do you have another nugget? That's it. That's it. No more nuggets, baby. This was a six. This was a three nugget packet. This was a kid's. This was a kid's meal. Well, wait a minute. What were the three nuggets? There was one nugget. No, there was Stetson Bennett. Oh, that Stet- was one of my nuggets. Okay, Stetson Bennett. Okay, so Stetson Bennett. Okay. Tyler Pageant or Badgent or whatever Ben Beignet, whatever his name is from Shepherd. And what was the third? That you'd like uh, his father to be a I part of the team. There you go. How's that? A great arm Does that wrestler. Count? Yeah. <laughs> he uh, is. Okay. Um, his, his father's a piece of work. You got to Google. Really amazing guy. 
Uh, can't wait to do that. I'll, I'm going to do that right during the draft. But 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 seriously, Shepard is a uh, has been a powerhouse at that at that level of college football. They have a beautiful stadium right there. You know, it's right when you cross the uh, Potomac River um, from Maryland uh, and Antietam. Uh, by the way, uh, into um, uh, into Shepherdstown, it's it's very pretty up there, and we have we have a lot of listeners in West Virginia. You know, West Virginia is kind of a distant suburb. A lot of West Virginia is to the Washington D.C. area, as you know, because you kind of live near it. Yeah, that's 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 where the team wanted to put the stadium, right, West Virginia? <laughs> no, well, no, that was going south. They wanted to put it in, in oh. what was it, Dumfries? Dumfries. No, that, that's like a, a Richmond suburb, right? Dumfries, I think, is just shy of Fredericksburg on 95. I don't know. Stafford, Dumfries, Mixing Bowl, I, <laughs> all that stuff down there. So a um, couple of things on tonight's draft. First of all, uh, this is one of those drafts that really all of the experts are struggling with because they're, because of the quarterbacks in particular – um, there's just a lot of projected trades, you know, and early in the draft, like there are these what they call pivot points that will change the trajectory thereafter of the draft once you hit these areas. Like Bryce Young should be the number one pick overall. Uh, if I didn't say this yesterday on the show, let me say it today. This this idea that they might take Will Levis uh, was like based on a Reddit post or something like that, where his odds to to be the number one pick, you know, came down to, to to the second best odds to be the number one pick. If Carolina traded what they traded to Chicago to move up to number one to select Will Levis, somebody should be fired uh, in the Panthers organization because that would have been stupid. Um, it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, but I think we all know now that it's going to be Bryce Young. But that's when. That pick is made, then Houston's on the clock. And, Tommy, you know, Houston, in their finale last year, they were sitting there with the number one overall pick until they rallied to beat Indianapolis 32-31 on a touchdown and a two-point conversion with less than a minute to go. Uh, If they had lost that game, they would have been in position to draft, I think, Bryce Young. Uh, but they apparently don't love C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, or Anthony Richardson enough to draft any of those guys. Now, maybe they will. Maybe they'll pick Stroud. But, man, a lot of the mock drafts now have Will Anderson from Alabama going number 2 overall. So if a quarterback doesn't get picked there and a defensive player does, then Arizona's on the clock. Well, they don't need a quarterback, although I think you could make the case that they do. Um, cause I'm just not a believer in Kyler Murray uh, anymore. Neither am I. And that becomes no. the first big opportunity for a trade. Arizona desperately wants to move back cause they don't want to take the quarterback. So the team that gets mocked into that three spot, the most has been Tennessee, but it depends on who's there. Like if Stroud's not there, will they trade for, um, the Arizona pick and take Richardson or Levis? Uh, nobody is really that sure. It's really a very interesting draft from that standpoint. Like Tennessee, to me, leads me to my first you heard it here bold prediction from our Sports Fix show that we used to make one bold prediction a week. Um, and this was a little bit of help from my good friend Nick. Um, but 
We know that Tennessee has at least reportedly shopped Derrick Henry in the offseason. If for whatever reason they don't trade up to number three because the quarterbacks are still on the board, you know, Houston selects defense, Arizona can't trade, they select, you know, Paris Johnson, and now you're into the fourth with Indy picking Will Levis, and then Seattle, Detroit, and Vegas don't pick quarterbacks then look for, bold prediction, Tennessee to trade with Atlanta where they give Arthur Smith, who coached Derrick Henry when he was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee, they give him the running back that he so desperately wants, even though I love Tyler uh, Algier. Um, And Derrick Henry ends up an Atlanta Falcon. So the Falcons get the 11th pick. They get next year's number one and maybe a number two. And Derrick Henry. That's a bold prediction for me because that makes total sense for me. Tennessee wants the quarterback. If they don't get it at three, that would be a spot for them to trade into. Atlanta would want Derrick Henry as part of the deal, and then you'd have Derrick Henry gone from Tennessee and have him reunited with Arthur Smith. Um, but there are a lot of interesting spots you know, in this draft. Uh, the corners for Washington, if you're hoping for a trade back, well, you're hoping for one of the quarterbacks to drop to 16. So now all of a sudden – you know, a Seattle or a Tampa, 19 and 20, a Minnesota at 23. A lot of talk about, you know, Kirk Cousins in his final contract year, going to be 36 years old in 2024, that Minnesota would love to draft, you know, a quarterback to sit behind Kirk for a year um, and then take over as when Kirk becomes a free agent again. Uh, 16 is you know, trading trading back, a quarterback's there. Maybe both receivers are there, Zay Flowers and Nigjigba from Ohio State, and somebody wants to trade up for a receiver. Maybe, maybe one of the offensive linemen that Washington doesn't like, or maybe they feel like they can get him by trading back. Um, somebody wants a Broderick Jones, as an example, real badly and trades up. You know, I think there could be opportunities for Washington to trade back, but I also think there could be opportunities for the teams in front of them, the Jets, the Patriots, and even the Packers uh, to trade back. Um, But, you know, what they did last year, you know, at least in the moment seemed good. Uh, We'll find out in a few years whether or not they won that trade or not. Uh, But I think there might be an opportunity for them to trade back. I would be upset if – they passed on a couple of players that were there that wouldn't necessarily be there if they did trade back. I've already mentioned Anthony Richardson. I don't think that's going to happen. I would be upset if Forbes was there, they traded back and then didn't get Forbes because Forbes went before uh, then. I don't think, by the way, Joey Porter Jr. is going to be selected by Washington. I don't think that he fits – the scheme as much as maybe Forbes or Banks. Um, my favorite corner is Gonzalez, because but I think Gonzalez and Witherspoon will both be gone. Um, but there could be an opportunity for Washington to trade back, and if you want that, then you're hoping that Levis or Richardson drops to 16. By the way, with the Chase Young conversation, of course, there's a chance that they could take a, a pass rusher. You know, if Lucas Van Ness or we've seen, you know, they brought in Miles Murphy. A lot of people like them. A lot of people think he'd be a good fit for Washington on the other side of Montez Sweat. 
uh, eventually. That's not out of the question either. I wouldn't be thrilled if they took a defensive end there, um, but you know they may. Tight ends really interesting for Washington because this is a, a draft with a lot of tight ends, but they've told us that they don't love tight ends, you know, or they don't feel like they have a need for a tight end. Um, I think they have a need for it, but you know, Logan Thomas, you know, some people think was not fully back from the injury. Uh, and I do like Logan Thomas as a tight end. I just hope we didn't see the best from him in 2020 and 2021. And then lastly, you mentioned Stetson Bennett. I do think that they'll look at drafting a quarterback. They liked Hendon Hooker. They were impressed with Hendon Hooker. So was everybody else. They're not going to take him at 16. And I think somebody will take him in the first round to get the fifth year. Um, with him. But if we're looking down the road uh, for Washington, I I know I'm alone on this. I like you know Dorian Thompson uh, Robinson. Um, I like DTR uh, from uh, UCLA. He played a shitload. He was a clutch quarterback in so many games that I watched. I thought he was really good from the pocket, and then he is a lethal extend the play running quarterback. Um, does he make mistakes? Yeah. Stanford Steve told me on radio this morning he just thinks he never got better and never learned from his mistakes. He played a lot of football um, over the years, but I kind of like him, and I always loved watching those UCLA games late night. I thought he was a big-time clutch performer uh, in particular. Um, Anyway, uh, those are my nuggets for the draft, and I don't think I have any others. Uh, what else on the draft? Because I do want to talk about the NBA playoffs. If you watch them or not, I don't care. Well, I, I wanted to talk about what I did do last night, uh, but nothing else about the draft. Okay. Uh, we'll have much more on the draft tomorrow evaluating what they do, and then we'll have a better sense of what they're going to be looking for uh, tomorrow night and on Saturday. Uh, we'll get to the NBA playoffs and what Tommy did last night right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the uh, fifth pick in the 2004 NFL Draft, the Washington Redskins select Sean Taylor. Safety. Well, University of Miami. That was draft night 2004 uh, when Washington selected Sean Taylor um, overall at number five. Clinton Portis has told the story many times, and he told it to me, Tommy, on radio the other day. Uh, Joe Gibbs wanted to draft Kellen Winslow Jr. He wanted offense for Mark Brunel. 
um, and wanted it for Clinton Portis. And uh, Clinton Portis uh, talked Joe, and Joe's even sort of kind of alluded to this, that some of the Miami guys, Portis in particular, went in and said, if you want an offensive player, draft Sean Taylor. He will create the most offense of any player in the draft. And, of course, you know, given Kellen – is Kellen, Kellen Winslow Jr. is in jail, right? Isn't he in jail for yes. a long period of time? It's, 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 yeah, his life just totally fell apart. And Sean Taylor, totally of course, uh, Sean Taylor's yeah. life ended way too early. So um, the first-round picks in franchise history that turned into Hall of Famers, do you want to try to name them? No, Joe Namath. No, for Washington. Oh, for Washington. Washington's first round picks that became Green. Hall of Fame. That's one. Daryl Green is one. Uh, Sammy Baugh. Sammy Baugh's two. Uh, okay. Uh, there are five of them. There's five of them. Yep. Art Monk. Art Monk is three. Okay. Uh, Russ Grimm? No, he was the third-round pick. Okay. Uh, Jesus, it shouldn't be that hard. One of them I would have thought you would have had a difficult time with. Um, but, but, uh-huh. but but one of the other two that you haven't gotten, I think you should get. Because it's a player that you know is from way back in the day. And he was around the organization his entire life until he passed away. Well, actually, Bobby he, Mitchell. No, Bobby oh, Mitchell was there. not drafted no, in Washington. He, he wasn't there. Tra- right, right. He got drafted. That's right. They drafted Ernie Davis. Right, and then traded him for uh, Bobby Mitchell. Think about who was uh, on the team with Bobby Mitchell in Washington. Who was their other big playmaker? Okay, who did Charlie so- Taylor. Charlie Taylor. There you go. Okay, Charlie Taylor, uh, Sammy Baugh, Charlie Taylor. Uh, Art Monk, Daryl Green, and Champ Bailey are the five wow. players selected by Washington in the first round that became Hall of Famers. Now, Sean Taylor, I think, would have become a Hall of Famer, and I think there's the the sixth that w- that is an absolute slam dunk will be Trent Williams. Trent Williams will become a Hall of Fame player, and they drafted him in the first yeah. round. Um, so there you go. That's the list of Hall of Fame players drafted in the first round by Washington. Uh, will you tell us about Shelley's? Yes. This is the place where you want to watch the NFL draft because this is the kind of event, event that you want to really smoke a cigar with. This is like, this is like a red allback kind of event, you know, where you're like the GM sitting there at Shelley's watching all the draft taking place giving your opinion to your buddies, telling them they should draft this guy or that guy. You need a cigar to do that, you know? Not a pencil, not not a protractor, <laughs> not a computer. No, no. You right. just need a cigar. Right. That's all you need, you know? Uh, and you can get the best. The top 25 cigar aficionado cigars uh, from Cigar Aficionado Magazine are for sale at Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street Northwest. In the district, uh, Shelley's. You know, I'm sure there are a bunch of guys that sparked up that cigar the night they picked Chase Young. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, 
uh, like all the guys on the Titanic that, you know, went into the, when all the men convened to that room after they had dinner to solve all the world's problems. There were a bunch of dudes that night. Give me a cigar. We got Chase Young. Um, by the way, I'm looking at a uh, picture. Let me just mention, let me just mention uh, Shelly's back room tonight, the special for dessert, key lime pie. Ooh, love key lime pie. By the way, I'm looking at a picture yeah. of the Shelly's Reuben. Uh, that actually sounds like a great draft night sandwich. I might figure yeah. out a way to go get some real lean corned beef, get some sauerkraut, get some Swiss, get some rye bread, Thousand Island dressing, and put together a Reuben for myself at home. What do you think about that for draft night? That sounds really good. Don't you have help? Don't you have help that does that for you? Hell no, I don't have any help. I'm my help. I thought you had somebody on I'm your by the way, to do that for I'm, you. by the way, not a terrible, I'm not a terrible cook. Like, I could, this is the kind of project that I would take on tonight before the draft begins. Looking forward to that. Or I could Me just too. order a pizza. It, it, I'm very excited by that, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so, did you watch any of the NBA last night? I'm sure you didn't, right? I was busy last night. Okay, so I guess we got to get to that first. Go ahead. Tell me what you did. No, we don't have to get to it first. You asked me. I'm telling <laughs> you why I didn't watch All right. any NBA. So last night. Do you want me to tell you where I was? Or do you want to go with your NBA? No, you just said you don't have to go first. But now it sounds like you want to go first. Right. So go ahead. Go first. No. Tell me where, tell me no, where no, you. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yes. Now it's too late. Tell me what you, tell me what you did last night. I want to hear. Well, first of all. We went to dinner at the Point. Have you been to the Point restaurant yet? No. In D.C.? No, I haven't. It's down at Buzzard's, Buzzard's Point. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. really impressive. Okay. I you, you gotta you gotta make a point of going to the Point. Okay. Okay. Yep. It's it's pretty good. So we went to dinner and then we went to Ford's Theater to see this uh, musical called Shout Sister Shout. It's the first time. I've ever been in Ford's Theater. You've never taken the tour uh, of Ford's Theater? Just gone through the, uh, the no. or, or the thing across the street? They've got something across the, well, across the street is the, where they have, uh, where Lincoln was laid down. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the whole thing's pretty cool. Well, no. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, so we went to the show called Shout, Sister Shout. It's a musical based on the life of Sister Rosetta Tharp, hmm. uh, a very famous gospel and blues singer who was very influential over Elvis, Little Richard, Johnny Cash, Eric Clapton, Chuck Berry. Uh, she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, she played electric guitar in addition to singing gospel and blues, and it was a tremendous performance, and we had a great time. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so that's where I was. Oh, that's, yeah. that... And I was sitting, I was sitting, I, I didn't realize this till I got up at the intermission. I was sitting in a seat, in Fred Malik's seat. You've heard of Fred Malik? Yeah, of course, from from uh, Carlisle. Yeah, uh, he was an uh, advisor to every president from yeah. Nixon. Right, to, right, right. Of course, to, uh, of course, yes. To w. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he was also he was also one of the leaders of the Washington Baseball Club bid to buy the Expos and and I remember and that. to buy the National. Yeah, yeah. And he had this little nameplate on the seat, and it said Fred Malik. Yeah. Actually, he said his, and his wife as well. So I, I said to my wife, I said, I knew this guy. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I I, I, rem- I, I yeah. remember him from all of the stuff with Nixon, you know, uh, during the seventies, oh, yeah. and yeah. then I'm I'm looking him up right now. He, I I don't know if he was the one that started the Carlisle Group or not. I'm forgetting I don't all know. the names of that, but he. Um, but my father-in-law knew him uh, very well because he was with Marriott, and I think I've told you this before. But yes. my, you know, my Kara yes. grew up actually in Minneapolis until she was like 11, 10 or eleven, and then they moved. My my father-in-law worked for Pillsbury, and so she lived in Minneapolis, and then they moved here because he took a job with Marriott, and uh, um, so that's how they got here. That's how, Look, yeah. You know, I have to say this that. Fred Malik is the one who put together the list of the Jewish employees at the Bureau of Labor Statistics for Nixon because he thought there were too many Jews uh, working in, in, in the government. Mm. Uh, something that, that Fred always regretted doing and had expressed that publicly as well. Uh, hey, look, W, uh, you know, Bush 43, yeah. doesn't become president without Fred Malik. Right. Fred Malik is the one who who yep. got Bush right. into ownership of the Texas Rangers, right. which which basically started his political career. So that was my that's my contribution. So yours is the NBA draft. <laughs> Go ahead. Not, not the draft, not the draft though. The actual oh, games. the NBA playoffs. Um, Even more exciting. But, but f- that's interesting. That that's the first time that you've ever been to Ford's Theater, given how many museums that you go to. Um, it's very nondescript, don't you think? Like you drive right it's very by small. it. Yeah, yeah, and it's very small on the inside. I thought it was, you know, ridiculously amusing that uh, one of the first signs you see when you walk in is firearms prohibited. <laughs> yeah, John Wilkes Booth did not see that sign uh, before he walked in. No. Um, all right. No. So last night. Okay, I might get carried away again, but whatever. I don't care. I'd rather do it with Tommy here um, than by myself. Uh, first of all, thank God I'm doing a show on radio now from 10 to 1 because I could have never done what I did last night, which was stay up until 1.15 until all these games were over. Tommy, from about midnight until about 1 a.m., the Heat-Bucks game and the Warriors-Kings game, It w- one was on NBA TV, the other was on TNT. It was incredible. When Ernie um, and the TNT group came on after the Kings-Warriors game, Ernie said, Ernie Johnson said, I'm not sure we've ever spent an hour together like the hour we just spent. It was absolutely thrilling. It was as the whole NBA playoffs have been so far in the first round. But I just have to start with Jimmy fucking butler again i mean he went for 56 the other night we talked about his performance on the wednesday show um this week or on the tuesday show excuse me um because he did that on monday night last night was wednesday night so they were getting their ass kicked in this game just like they were the other night they were down 16 going into the fourth quarter now unlike the other night where the game was played miami and i didn't give them any chance watching that game the other night in miami I told you that. I thought Milwaukee was still going to win the series even after they won that game. Yes, you did. And I and I um and by the way Ernie Johnson in the uh pregame show last night, he did something that Barkley always, you know, that the guys always do. On a piece of paper he wrote down Bucks in 7. Uh but he was dead wrong. Clearly it's over. 
But I, I, you're watching this game, and you're like, well, there's, you know, this is going back to game six. And I kept thinking, man, I just think Milwaukee's going to win this series. They, they're going to win this series. It, Miami's just not as good as they are. Milwaukee's just a better team. And they've got the best player, you know, on the planet and Giannis. And Jimmy Butler can only do so much, et cetera. And then the fourth quarter started. And by the way, he didn't come in in the fourth quarter until there were just over six minutes left. He was resting. And, you know, when he came into the game, it was still like a 10-point game. And then he went off down the stretch. And they, there are a couple of things that happened at the end. Have you seen the highlights or not? Have you at least seen the highlights? Yes, I have. Okay. So yes. they, it's, it's an incredible game back and forth down the stretch. Butler makes a three, gets fouled, makes a free throw. They've, they've roared back from 16 down um, to tie the game at 113 apiece, I think it was. And then they fell behind by four again. And it's like, well, Milwaukee's going to hang on. And this was an opportunity for them, but they're not going to. And then Gabe Vincent knocks down like a 30-foot three with eight seconds to go. Then there's, And then you can see, and by the way, down the stretch is, is Miami's making this run. I mean, you see in full living color a choke job going on at the highest order. Like, it, it just was so obvious. And the, the biggest choker on the floor was Giannis. Giannis was 10 for 23 from the free throw line. Wow. That's not a misspoken stat. He was 10 of 23. When he stepped to the free throw line, you could see him. He was shaking. He didn't want to shoot free throws. He didn't want to shoot jump shots. Now, he scored some points down the stretch because he basically got to the rim and just laid it in or dunked it. But with one, at 117-116, they're panicking. And the ball's loose on the floor, and they called, actually, they called a foul on Kyle Lowry, which they then, uh, 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 Spolstra challenges, and they get it overturned, and they turned it into a jump ball, which was probably the right call. If they hadn't blown the whistle, I think Miami would have ended up with the ball with about seven seconds to go, down one with a chance to win it. They lose the jump ball. And Chris Middleton makes a great play to save it in, and Drew Holiday gets fouled. Well, first of all, the jump ball's won, and Giannis comes up with it, and he immediately chucks it to Middleton because he was so scared that he was going to get fouled. And so Middleton saves it into Drew Holiday. They foul him with 2.1 seconds to go. Holiday makes one of two, and the Heat call timeout and advance the ball. So they're down two, and they... Apparently, uh, Spolstra drew up a play to go away from Jimmy Butler, and Butler said, "Uh uh-uh, no, you can't do that to me. you got to come to me. They lobbed the ball from out of bounds, uh, Gabe Vincent did, to Jimmy Butler, who clearly pushed off. But you're never going to get that call, typically. He pushed off and in one motion in the air caught it, laid it in with 0.5 seconds to go, tie game. And now you're thinking, well, Milwaukee's still going to have another chance, except they were so panicked, Tommy, down the stretch. They had a timeout left. They didn't call the timeout. They just threw it in and the clock ran out instead of calling a timeout and advancing the ball into the front court and having a chance, by the way, with 0.5 to catch and shoot. 
So Budenholzer was literally had Jimmy Butler's you-know-what's in his throat. So did Giannis. The whole team is choking all together. They went three minutes in overtime without scoring, and then after, like, the third player for, for Miami fouls out, Milwaukee gets the ball down two with two timeouts left. They don't call a timeout, and they never even get a shot off down two. And the series ends in Milwaukee with the eight seed winning Jimmy Butler 42 points after going. He had 98 points in two games. And his defense was incredible last night. And by the way, another night. He goes for 42. He was 17 to 33. Shot over 50% from the field. The funny thing about it, though, is he actually missed some wide open shots for him at the end of regulation or in, in the final minute or two and in overtime. Uh, he looked exhausted to me. And once again, this dude, Budenholzer, not only did he butcher not calling the timeout twice, um, he never, they, I, I think I told you this the other day. 56 points. Nobody else can score. He got double teamed four times in the game. Last night again, it's like they're not doubling him. How do you not double Jimmy Butler? I, I know. It was an egregious coaching job and the errors that he made. Um, and it was also as great of, of a back to back consecutive playoff performance, p- playoff performance as you will ever see. I, you know, we didn't talk about this the other day. I still consider Magic's Game 6 in 1980 at the Spectrum when Kareem was out and Magic played center. Uh, I still consider that to be the greatest individual playoff performance of my lifetime. You agree with me on that, right? No, I mean, for me, it's, it's Walt Frazier in Game 7 of 1970 playoffs. With Willis Reed coming out, final. but Walt Frazier stealing the show. Walt, Walt Fraser, you know, 36 points, 19 assists in, in, the, in the deciding game. Yeah. In the most important game of his life. Yeah. Yeah. Magic, uh, Magic was f- played center because Kareem was out. He was a point guard. Right. He played center on the road in the NBA Finals, and he scored 42 points, had 15 rebounds, dished out seven assists, had a block shot, and three steals. That's. That's, for me, the mic drop on the greatest, and I think the Jordan flu games up there. There there are several of them. But I don't know that we've ever seen back-to-back playoff performances where a dude's gone for 98 points when his team needed every single one of them. Uh, Incredible performance by Jimmy Jimmy, but- Jimmy Butler is one of my favorites, absolutely. So they get the Knicks in the next round. Um, the Knicks finished off Cleveland last night. They've looked great. Uh, I I would favor the Knicks. I think the Knicks will win. I'm rooting for Miami. I'm rooting for Jimmy Butler the rest of the way. Uh, they're so well coached. Spolstra is such a great coach. He's he really does. For you know, in playoff games, coaching definitely has an impact less than it does in the regular season. I think, but um, he's great. Uh, the organization's a great organization. Um, this was, I think, of like the like I remember that year when Denver uh, beat Seattle um, in the first round. It was best of five back then. Um, 
with with Matumbo uh, playing for Denver. That was one of one of the all time stunners in terms of a uh, uh, an eight seed beating a one seed. Uh, but I don't know that we've ever seen it happen in five games. I mean, and and down fourteen going into the fourth quarter in Game Four, and down sixteen going into the fourth quarter in Game Six last night. Milwaukee had a lot to do with it. God, did they choke. And I love Giannis. He's great. And he he was great afterwards in his press conference. But, Tommy, you can't go 10 for 23 from the free throw line in a, in a closeout game where you're going to get closed out. No, you can't. You know, he ended up with 38 and 20. Imagine if he was just horrible from the free throw line instead of all-time atrocious. Yeah. He would have had 50 in the game or 45 and 20. I mean, very few players have ever gone for 40 and 20 in a game. He almost did it, and he was 10 of 23 from the free throw line. But, God, he was gagging down the stretch. They all were. Budenholzer should take all of the blame for that one. But Jimmy Butler, sensational. Um, Golden State was great at the end of that game. I actually still think Memphis has a chance, that Sacramento still has a chance. I I don't – I doubt that they do because the game is in – uh, you know, in San Francisco, and it's the defending champions. And now, you know, with Wiggins playing now, they're through five games with him, and it's starting to come together. But man, the Kings are exciting to watch. The Lakers Grizzly series is interesting. I think Memphis can still win that series. But if the Lakers and Warriors advance, Tommy, to the next round and they play each other, I think that will be the most anticipated and most watched non NBA finals playoff series in decades if we get Lakers Warriors in the next round which is what we're headed for right now with both you know Golden State and LeBron's Lakers up 3-2 mad <sighs> of breath with no help on that segment no 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 help you're missing but it but i enjoyed it you're missing it i enjoyed it uh, why well, i don't think i i'm not missing it you're filling me in i don't have to watch <laughs> the Celtics tonight uh, up three two against the Hawks, laying seven. I don't have a feel for that game, but I will. I will have that game on. I'm glad, by the way. Last night wasn't tonight, meaning that the NFL draft wasn't up against four NBA playoff games last night, uh, because I would have been barely paying attention to the draft. That's not true. I have to pay attention to the draft. I'll be back tomorrow with more what? draft things. Do you have anything else to finish the show up with? No, I got nothing else for you today, boss. You were great today. That's it. And your trip to Ford's Theater, I, I, I imagine that that show was outstanding. And I looked her up as you were talking about her legend, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yes. An absolute legend. Yes. And the perform- performances were fabulous. I mean, the, the, the singers in the show were just, just blew me away. We had great seats, too. All right. Well, go make yourself we a peanut Fred butter. Malik seats. Fred Malik seats. <laughs> yeah, there's not a bad seat in Ford's Theater unless you're, you know, yeah. unless you're there on a certain night in 1865. Um, go, yeah. go get a peanut butter sandwich to go with those chips. Finish them up, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Actually, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We are going to be together on Sunday. We forgot to mention. We are both going to the XFL DC uh, Avengers playoff game. Can't wait. Defenders. Defenders. <laughs> and uh, yes. I know. I did that for you. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of fun. I went to the last game. I've been to games before. It, it's a lot of fun. You'll enjoy it. Our friends John and Courtney English invited us to go to yes. 
the uh, big big time division championship playoff game at at uh, at Audi on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's supposed to pour on Sunday. I hope we are in a suite. Yes, we are. Okay, good. We are in a suite. Yes. Because I'd hate to. Because God knows I'd be the one with the umbrella, but I'd have to hold it over your head to keep you dry if we were sitting with each well, other. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you recognize that. All right, see ya. I'll be back tomorrow. Okay, I'll see you. In school, we learned about this scientist who trained dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell by feeding them whenever a bell rang. So for the past couple of weeks, I've been conducting a similar experiment. 